Well, um, let me share with you just a few things that we have back at the table for you. Um, uh, We've got uh, the book, uh, my book, Identity Thief, back there. Uh, The premise of the book is that Jesus, um, you know, when Jesus came, that he came to reinstate that identity as to uh, what Luke was just talking about, was to reinstate that, to bring us back into that place uh, that the enemy had totally hijacked and robbed from us, and to uh, you know give that back to us. And so uh, we have we we have the book, which goes in, of course into a lot of detail on that and a lot of my personal story. But then also we have the DVD teaching. This is a two DVD set. It's about three hours of teaching talking about uh, identity thief, and it's sort of the sort of the basic you know uh, nutshell version, if you would. Of, of the teaching that uh, gets into that. So if you're like, man, I'll never read a book. Uh, or if he would have written a pop-up, I would read it. But, uh, and you, you're more visual than the DVDs. Maybe something that you're more interested in. Uh, I referenced this, I believe, last night. But we talked uh, about undoing unbelief. And anybody who is struggling with that or battling or you feel like you're in a sort of a uh, you know, mental struggle or, or feeling like you're really up against some unbelief that has been instilled in you. So much of stuff that we are told on a regular basis, um, you know, about communication as to why things don't happen or, or why things don't take place. Uh, so much of it is stuff that we've been told that the, ch- that the church has developed a teaching on in order to, in, and I think, there, I think in many ways it was an, an, an intent to protect people from discouragement or disillusionment. But in doing so, they completely rerouted, I believe, the message of the kingdom and, and the message of, of, of understanding that God wants to do things now. And, uh, and so this is a, a uh, talk. It gets into explaining stuff about David and, and just how we need to overthrow and, and what was happening, how the Goliath was just, you know, sort of bombarding him with this uh, communication of unbelief and, and that uh, how we need to overthrow that and overtake that. Anyway, that's what that teaching is about. I did a, uh, a conference uh, in, how many of you have heard of New Wine, Soul Survivor, uh, those conferences in England? Um, I did um, New Wine uh, last year in Soul Survivor, and then, but the year before, uh, I did uh, both all of those festivals throughout the entire summer. We were there for an entire month, and they were like, you have to teach the same thing each time. It felt like Groundhog Day. Man, I felt like I was stuck in Groundhog Day. And uh, anyway, but one night I did a teaching, um, and I, I was talking about two different things. This, the, the, sort of the, the name on this one says, Unlocking God's Promises. It's really not the best title for it. But uh, they were really in, sort of entrenched and, and had all these experts coming in, uh, talking about same-sex attraction and things like that. How do we respond to the LGBT community? And... Um, the director of it, John Coles, there's now a new director, uh, a good friend of mine named Mark Bailey. But, um, and, and at these festivals, there's like at each fest, I did five of them. At each one, there's literally 14 to 15,000 people at each festival. It's, it's like mayhem. Anyway, but uh, we did, uh, uh, I, I did this one talk and I talked about, you know, what I believe and what I see in the scripture as our biblical response to the LGBT community. And I used an analogy of a, of a story of my son, Micah, who 
had really seen a lot of kids at school that were bullying and beating up and really being horrifically mean to this young, uh, young man that was in his class. And he was like, Dad, I don't know, you know what to do. I feel so bad for this guy. You know, and because they're making, you know, they're making fun of him uh, because he's, you know, he's let it out that he's homosexual and all this stuff. And he goes, I don't know how to respond to that. He goes, I, I feel so bad for how he's being, you know, treated. And I told him, I said, well, invite him over for a sleepover. And he's like, do you want to completely ruin my reputation? Like, you know, you never want me to date in high school ever. Is that your objective? That? And I looked at him and I said, you don't have to do this. I said, but let me just tell you something. I said, what would be the most effective way to really impact his life with the love of Christ than for you to reach out to him with love and demonstrate to him with love? Well, I won't tell you what happened. You have to watch the DVDs to get that part of the story. But I will give you the end of the story. Today, that young man is a worship leader in church. He's married to a wonderful girl, and they're, they're, they're just seeing God's power and presence move very powerfully in their lives. The Lord's using them to bring a lot of people to Christ. Um. So anyway, but, this, but there's several things that are in this. It goes beyond that. And then I also did a, a conference called Going Deeper. And this is uh, really talking about if you want to go deeper in prayer and experiencing the presence in passion. And if you want to uh, go deeper in the power of God. Uh, this is a four DVD teaching that I did on that called Going Deeper. And it's just, it's very effective in helping, you know, sort of some go to that next level and that. So anyway, these are, here, let me do this. Who, who has not read Identity Thief? But, okay, that's a lot of you. Go to the book table, buy it. <laughs> but who, is there somebody here that uh, you've really, uh, you've, you've, let me, let me say it this way. You, you're, you're 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 a maybe a single mom, uh, and and that you're you have a single mom of teenagers, and you're not, you know, there in that situation because of your own choice, and you haven't read it. Raise your hand. Okay, let me give this to you. Can I give this to you? Let me give that to you. Is that going to be too complicated? Oh, you. Oh no no no. Oh, wow, I feel bad now. Making her get up. There you go. Um, and then uh, let me, and then just anybody who feels like you've really battled with unbelief or struggled with unbelief, and you're like, man, I really need this. And I've had three friends point to me already. And I, no, if you, if you want this teaching, if, they, if you're like, man, I really need that, I could use that, then come up here and get it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna point anybody out or. There you go. Way to go. Awesome. Okay, and then what about with uh, Identity Thief? If anybody would like to, you're, okay. Can you catch it? <laughs> I'm kind of like whoever gets here for it. Wait, come here. I got one. I got one, a good one for you. You're going to really dig that. I know it's not the same uh, topic for you, but they're the same. And then um, how about going deeper? Anybody? I'm not going to call you out. You just go, whoever gets up here first. Okay, see? <laughs> See, the, here's the thing. The desperation is what, you know. Awesome. No, the iPad stays with me. <laughs> oh, I got a paper clip in my Bible I'll give away, but that's not my, not my iPad. Uh, my kids always take paper clips and, and my clippy things. I use these for mics. Often I'm finding them around, and I'm like, wait a minute, where are they? It's like these clip things get raptured in my house for some reason. Um, Okay, we were, we were talking about last night, and, and I wanted to pick up uh, in, in our teaching, 
and, and uh, just continue on from where we were at. So if you weren't here last night, this may be a bit of a, you know, you're, you're going to have to sort of uh, jump in here a little bit. But, um, and so if it doesn't, excuse me, if it doesn't make sense to you, I apologize. But we were talking about the difference between, you know, Logos and Rhema and uh, understanding those types of things. I want to talk to you, I want to pick up and, and talk to you about uh, in, in testing what you hear. Now, we're going to, the whole objective of what we're, t- we're talking about, my passion is to get you to use this outside of the church, you know. Uh, now, but the thing of it is, because whenever you talk about the prophetic and stuff like that, you have to give some sort of perspective of how to use it in the church, okay? Because otherwise, because there's almost like a different set of uh, it's sort of boundaries in some ways in the church. You know, we as pastors, you know, uh, there's a big responsibility of keeping our congregation safe, of making sure people are protected. You know, we don't want people to get hurt. And uh, has anybody ever been hurt by a prophetic word? You know, anybody ever received a word where, you know, it was painful or was hard or, or was not, not nice or, you know, um, and, and it's, I, I've, ha- I've had many of those, you know, um, if I had a dollar for everybody who told me that, you know, my ministry was going to crash and burn, you know, because I was teaching the wrong thing uh, and, you know, all that type of stuff, you know, it, it would, I would be a wealthy man, actually, uh, you know, and, and, and I, I remember uh, my associate pastor when I first, when things, you know, people started calling and saying, hey, would you come and train our church? And I, I told our, our associate pastor at my church at that time, I said, hey, man, I said, this is really cool. I said, you know, there's some people are calling and stuff. And he goes, yeah. He goes, let me just brace, tell you to brace yourself right now. He goes, you got about 18 months. He goes, in about 18 months, everybody's going to stop calling. Nobody's going to be interested. You know, they're going to get over it. And he said, just, you know, just don't get, don't, don't make plans to keep doing this. Because that was four years ago you know, that he said that, you know, and that was after doing it for like a year and a half. And so, you know, and I remember walking away from that going, I don't feel edified, encouraged, or comforted in any way, form, or fashion, you know, yeah, nobody, in a year and a half, nobody's going to want to hear you anymore, and they're just not going to like you, Uh, is pretty much what I felt, you know, I just put my hands out and tried to receive it, but it just wasn't anything to receive there. So anyway, a lot of, but very, you know, what, but what was his intent? I think his intent was really to, to love me and to try to keep me from, you know, getting discouraged or getting, but always when we get sort of words like that, those aren't words from God. Those are words from friends who are usually well-meaning, but not the voice of the Lord. And so there's a, there's a thing that we need to do in testing. You know, we need to sort of test things. And so this is more for if you're receiving something. And so I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in there because it does apply in every area. I don't want you, when you go out and you're looking at the barista at, at you know, some coffee shop and you're like, ooh, I think she's got back pain. I don't want you to sit there and go, oh, wait, but Robbie gave us four points of how to test what we hear. And I've got to run it through the gauntlet of those tests. No, I don't want you to do that. This is just something to sort of have, you know, in, in the back of your mind, sort of in, you know, just in training and teaching and equipping for you to be able 
just to apply so that at some point you can sort of test and sort of, you know, uh, get perspective of how do I deal with this? So a lot of this apply, you know, more so to things like within the church or things like that. But the number one thing is, is, is agreement with scripture. We're looking for if something that we're saying has agreement, if there's an agreement with Scripture, does it sound like it's in agreement with Scripture? Uh, uh, there was uh, somebody who uh, had, had told me today, I, I, they may be here tonight, I don't, I'm not, not going to call you out or embarrass you by saying this, but they were saying you know, God was really calling them to step out into healing ministry and things like that, but that they were waiting for the, I think if I got the word right, they were sort of waiting for the appropriate time and the appropriate time wasn't now that God would give them clear instruction as to when that appropriate time was. And I said, okay, I said, well, let's take a look and let's see how does that align with scripture? And the aligning with scripture, because remember we talked about Logos versus Rhema. Who was not here last night? Wow. Okay. All right. Genesis one. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this is always what's hard when you have a, a totally different crowd the next night. So with, agree, with agreement with Scripture, when you're taking a look at something that's agreeing with Scripture, you know, we've talked about the difference between logos and rhema, and those, those are, the, both mean the word of God, but there's two different definitions of that. We are testing, and I said every, we test every rhema with logos, which is logos is Christ, but it's also Scripture. It's the word of God, and those are the same, you know, when the, when the Scripture says on his thigh in Book of Revelation, is written the word of God that is that is the logos okay so here's the thing is that we are testing what we hear by you know does this comply with scripture if I get a word that doesn't that doesn't fit with scripture or isn't an alignment with scripture if I look at somebody and says you know the Lord really wants you to get a divorce you know God's kind of tired of your spouse and really wants you to get rid of them and now it's time you know he has somebody else for you how many of you know how well that's going to test with logos you're a bright bunch. I could see that. I don't even have to wait to see any response. You see what I'm saying? So it's not, it's not a matter of, you know, immediately, as soon as there's some things that sort of come in, I can stop and I can try them with the word of God and know whether this fits. Is this in alignment? You know, now, if I, if I stop and were to say, there are people here that have been through divorces, and Jesus wants you to know that he loves you, and that there's grace, and there's peace, and that you are not excluded from any of the attributes of the kingdom of God. Now, now how much of that fits with Logos? Well, that's a different message, right? You know, one is, is, is something of, of healing, restoration, you know, being restored, being, you know, a, re- a redemptive work. You know, so that is a message that's very powerful, but we, t- we still test those with the word of God. What is scripture saying, you know, about that? And how do we balance that? The second way, and there's basically four ways, but there's some subgroups within some of these, is the fruits of the prophecy itself. What is the fruit of the prophetic word itself? Now, I have been in circumstances where that all of a sudden I would be in the middle of something and I would start feeling like this is really not good. Like this is, this is not a God thing. This is not, God is nowhere near this. Here's an example. I was at a church, uh, for some of you who know my story, in the book it says a brethren church. It was not a brethren church, it was a Mennonite church. I was at a youth pastor at a Mennonite church. All of a sudden, these guys started going to Toronto, and they came back, and all this craziness broke loose. All of this, I mean, people were laughing in the middle. Now, let me tell you something. 
There is nothing uglier on the planet than a bunch of drunk Mennonites. I mean, it is not a pretty sight. You know, a, a bunch of Mennonites that are just hammered are just, is not pretty. You're not sitting there going, oh, let's take pictures, that's beautiful. I mean, a bunch of drunk Mennonites is not a pretty thing. And because all their inhibition is gone. And so the quietest, sweetest Mennonite, you know, guys, how, how are you, brother? Bless you so good. And they're like over in the corner going, woo! You know, and you're like, oh, dear Jesus. And all the visitors I just brought are seeing this guy act like a madman. You know what I mean? I mean, it was just, it wasn't a pretty sight. So all this happened, and I look at my wife. I didn't go with him, but I looked at my wife, and I said, this is not God. And I am going to go put a stop to this, because this is not the Lord. And so I walked up to the microphone. By this time, I'd only been at the church as a youth pastor for about three months. The only reason why they invited me was because they wanted somebody who knew about evangelism, okay? And pretty much, you know, in, in, in sort of an entrenched Mennonite community, their idea of evangelism is having babies for the most part, okay? <laughs> so I was, I was over, so I get up to the microphone, and I said, I hear the Lord saying... And I say it just with this real emphaticism and anger. And I was mad. And I was like, you know, this is not God. Behold, my hand is outstretched. And I'm about to write knickerbocker. Across your... Anyway, sorry. No. I was like angry. I was ready to go for it. And all of a sudden I said, I hear the Lord saying, this is it. Get in. And I walked back over by my wife. And she looks at me and she goes, I don't think that's what you were going to say. <laughs> and I said, it wasn't? Never ask me about it because I don't know what just happened. That freaked me out. And I'm scared right now. <laughs> My legs are shaking. I was like, what happened, man? I mean, all of a sudden, it was sort of one of those things of, uh, you know, open your mouth and I'll fill it. And it just, pff, something completely different than what I was feeling came out. And so... All of a sudden, there was this, my, was my heart in the right place? No. You know, I was thinking I knew better than really God. And, and what happened next over the past several months uh, in that church was I ended up getting wrecked by the Holy Spirit. You know, I ended up getting just completely just blown up and, you know, blown away. And, of course, that was the most glorious thing that ever could have happened. I needed that. But, uh, you know, the fruits of the prophecy itself, let me just explain this. The fruits of the prophecy itself is something that is self-validating. So it's not, now again, uh, this, a little bit of this, forgive me, because a little bit of this is not focused on outside of the church, but inside of the church. So bear with me, okay, if you're just wanting to see that. And what, what does that mean is that it's something that's not going to return void. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to give yourself the grace to, to explore the height, the depth, the width of the authority that Christ has given you. So I want you to be okay with being wrong. Here's the deal. The objective is not you being right. The objective is me connecting that individual with Jesus Christ and making them passionately in love with him. That's the objective. My accuracy is not the objective. Okay? Because you'll have a tendency, if you get to where you're trying to get the accuracy being the objective, you'll try to twist and turn things to sort of make it work when it doesn't. Does that make sense? So let me, let me illustrate to you. There's a thing in the prophetic we call go fish. Don't play go fish. 
okay? And let me illustrate that. You with the sweater thingy on and the arm around you, right? No, it's all right. You didn't, that wasn't a scolding or anything. Um, uh, raise your hands so people know who I'm talking about. So I have a word for you. Your name is Bob. Right? That's not your name? No, 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 no. The Spirit's clarifying to me right now. It's not your name that's Bob. Your father's name is Bob? Your mother's name is Bob. No, it's not your mother. You have a dog named Bob? Have you ever heard the name Bob before in your life? Yes? See? See, I knew this word was for her. See, she's heard the name Bob before in her life. That's called Go Fish. Don't play Go Fish. You remember the card game Go Fish? Don't play Go Fish. Is your name Bob? No, it's not Bob. I don't know why I heard Bob. Sorry. I just get it wrong sometimes. Let me tell you what I see. Move on from there. Don't try to make things happen. Well, you should have been named Bob because that's what God wants to call you. You know what I mean? I mean, don't... It's just... All of a sudden, you start trying to make things work and trying to make things happen. Don't do that. Be okay with being wrong. You have no clue how many times, like these guys had names last night. You know, you, you would be blown away at the amount of time we'll have people who come, okay, well, we missed it. We were completely wrong. And somebody comes up, actually, that was my name. That was my condition. That was my, oh, okay. But here's the thing. We want to make sure and lead by demonstrating it's okay to be wrong. Why? Because that gives people permission. And we want you to explore that permission. We want you to explore, you know, and be okay with being off because it's a learning curve. We just take and we learn from that and we have to be okay with it. So having to be right and moving in prophetic ministry, they don't go together. You have to be willing to be wrong and don't be offended by being wrong. It's not a, it's not a lack of God's affirmation on your life. You know what I mean? I mean, we sort of think... A lot of people think, you know, because God uses certain people a certain way, that that's sort of God's, you know, okie-dokie on their life. The fact that God used you doesn't mean that that's God's approval on everything that you do in your life. That's important. That's not God's approval on everything. That doesn't mean, oh, well, they are really special people. I've given them these gifts and let them operate because they are really special people. And no, I've known some of the most broken, messed up, you know, individuals that God will use. Why? Because the bottom line, God's looking for people that are available. He's looking for availability, not ability. His gift is ability. Your gift is availability. Okay. And so we're just being available. So don't look for that as, you know, to get your affirmation from. My affirmation comes out of relationship with the Father, not out of the accuracy of gifting that I operate in. Is that helpful? Okay. So that's really important. So what are we looking for in the validation of a word? If something, but, and so I want to say that. I wanted to say what I just said before getting into this because I don't want you to get caught up in having to be right. But... There's three parts of, of, the, of, of a word that we want to sort of, and again, this is sort of a sub, subset, you know, within the, uh, within the point, and that is we, we kind of judge revelation, interpretation, and application, because they all three, sometimes, sometimes two of them can be off and one of them be on, you know, sometimes all three of them can be on. All of a sudden, you get sort of a revelation of something that can be spot on, but all of a sudden, the application can be off, or the interpretation can be off. 
you know, and so we don't know many times. And so sometimes now when you're going to give somebody a word that's like outside of the church, don't get stuck here. Many times let them give you the interpretation. Let them give you the application. An example, you may have heard me share this before. I've been sharing it for a few years now. But a friend of mine, a guy calls me and we're walking down. He calls me and he goes, Robbie, he goes, I want to come out and do power evangelism with you. He goes, I used to do this stuff. It's been several years since I've done it. Can I just come out and let's just walk around, you know, downtown Aurora and, and, and do this? I was like, yeah, sure, come on over. I've got you know, a couple of hours I can spare. And so he came out. So we're just walking along, and this guy's coming out of this bank. Uh, and I looked at him, and I said, hey, man, we're just looking for people to pray for you. We're looking for people to pray for. How can we pray for you? I said, do you, you, know, do you have any physical needs we can pray for? Do you need healing in your body? Do you have any financial needs? Do you have any you know, relational issues? you need a job? you need money? Any of those things? He goes, no, I'm good. I was like, hey, okay, can we just bless you? Okay. Now, typically, if you say one of those things, you're hitting on something somebody needs. There's usually one of those, you know, finances, family, job, you know, physical. You're hitting on usually something that somebody has need of. And so he's like, he says, yeah, sure, you can just bless me. And so I was like, all right. And so I start praying, and I'm like, Father, I just, you know, thank you for this guy. I pray, Lord, you should reveal your love. Come and just bless him in the name of Jesus. And, and I just said to him, I said, um, you know, I said, I, I get this sense. I said, are, 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 do you have a brother? And he goes, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. And I said, okay, I said, "Uh, is your brother out of a job right now? And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I was like, he's out of a job, so he needs a job? Yeah. And I said, and this is causing some problems in his marriage because he's out of work and, you know, finances are low. He goes, oh, yeah, it's causing a lot of problems. And so I was like, okay, you know, let's pray for that. We should pray for that. And then I I stopped and I said, you know, uh, are, are you out of work and you're really needing work? Yeah, I am. And you really need work right now and just finances are really tight? Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Everything I'm saying, he's like, uh-huh, yeah, 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 all right, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting there going, whoa, you know, and it's, it's like everything I'm saying is like spot on, but nothing, here's the thing, a word of knowledge, especially when it comes in a power evangelism setting, is something, it's like a key, a little key that just pops open somebody's heart. You're looking for just that little key, that little thing. You know, with, with Jesus, with the woman at the well, it was, you know, the, 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 probably the timing of the day that she's showing up. You know, the, the fact that she's probably being ostracized or being, you know, pushed out by this community because of, you know, wh- how she's living and what's happening. You know, and so this little key that Jesus pulls out is, you know, go get your husband. And uh, you know, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You've actually have five. The one you're with now is not your husband. You know, it, 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 it sounds like this, and, and that is not an exposing, I believe, of sin. I believe that was a revelation of pain. I believe Christ was revealing, you're, you're feeling completely shut out of your community by the pain of this, and this has kept you. I don't think he's exposing her sin. I think he's revealing the fact that she's isolated, she's rejected, and she's in a lot of pain. That's really what I think is going on there. And he's saying, let me, let me talk about the, 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 the deep wound that's inside of you, okay? And so, uh, but that's just this key. And notice when she goes back to the village, she says, come and meet the man who told me everything about myself. Did he? No. He just told her this one little part of her life. But it was the major wound of her life. So it was that little key that just popped open her heart for her to receive you know, him and to respond to him and say, come, this guy's got to be the Messiah, you know? So anyway, back to this guy. So I'm, you know, the, uh-huh, yeah, 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 guy, that guy. So I'm, so I stop and I look at my friend and, and my friend is standing there and he's going, 
And I'm like, Ed, are you getting anything? And he goes, no. And I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, no, I'm not getting anything. And I'm like, you kind of look like you got something. And he goes, no, no. And I'm like, dude, I think if you don't give what you're going to what you got? You're probably going to like pop, you know, because you look like pain right now. You know, just go ahead and say it. it doesn't matter. He goes, no, I don't have. I said, it doesn't matter. Just say it. No matter what it is, just say it. And he goes, okay. I see a pink elephant with purple polka dots. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Now, immediately, I start going into what is the interpretation and the application of a pink elephant with purple. And I'm like, purple, I think, is royalty. Pink is, oh, Lord, I don't even know how to make up something for pink. I mean, I'm sitting there going, this is a disaster. And I'm looking, and I'm like, a pink elephant. And he's like, and I said, do you have any more? And he's like, no, that's it. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And I turn, and I look at the guy, and the guy's going... And I'm like, no way! I'm like, you're out of work, yeah, you need money, yeah, your brother's out of work, he's on the verge of divorce, yeah, 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 yeah. Pink elephant with purple polka dot is the key to open this guy's heart. You know, I'm like, are you kidding me? Now, everything inside of me, again, wants to break this down, spiritualize it, and sort of, you know, make it somehow a gospel presentation. And I looked at him, and I, so I stopped and I said, what does that mean to you? Simple question, right? And he goes, when I was a little boy, he said, I, my favorite toy was this little plush toy that was a pink elephant with purple polka dots. He said, I slept with it. I took it everywhere. He goes, I would take it to you know, kindergarten. I, take it, I wanted it to go with me everywhere. He said, when I turned 10 years old, my father grabbed it took it out of my uh, room and threw it in the fire and said it was a toy for girls and sissies. And he burned it and destroyed it. And he goes, I've never forgotten that. And he goes, and it, he goes I've, I've never been able to forgive my father for that. And he says, it just crushed my heart. And so I said, what do you think God's telling you? And he said, I think he's telling me that he cares about the things I care about. Now, I could have never come to that interpretation. <laughs> with pink and purple. You know what I mean? There was no way. And so asking that guy, what do you think that means? What do you, so rather than trying to define it, stop and ask them the questions. That guy gave his life to Jesus right there. Right there over a pink elephant with purple polka dots. I mean, how do you get that? Only God could do that. You know what I mean? You know, there's pink elephant, purple polka dot, and parting the Red Sea. You know, those kind of are like together now in my book. Those are huge stories. But only the Lord could bring that into place. So when we stop, we may think, oh, now there's sometimes I get a picture for somebody, and I'll give a picture to them, and they're like, I don't understand what that means. And I'm like, well, you know what? I think the application of this is this. And I give them or I give them the interpretation, and they're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense to me. So the picture or whatever I'm getting is a communication to me. As I interpret what I see, they hear something in it. Do you see what I'm saying? I could give you a lot of analogies of that, but we don't have time to go into that. And then the other thing is the application. All of a sudden, my sense is, I, I think this is the application of this. 
And the interpretation may mean nothing. The revelation may mean nothing to them. But then all of a sudden when I say, I, I think this applicant, they're like, that's exactly what I've been looking for. You see what I'm saying? So it doesn't necessarily mean that, we, it, that, that the particular words or that particular phrasing has to be something specific to that individual. But sometimes what God is speaking to, I've had God give me names and I've thought, oh, it must be you know, the name of this person. I would say the name and they were like, I, I don't know what that means. And I'd be like, well, I've got this friend named Larry and I got the name Larry and Larry is like this. And I describe Larry's situation. They're like, oh man, you just described my life. So the, the word Larry was more for me. So anyway, it doesn't mean that you, that you, that, that you, it, it has to be in a particular way, but yet I need to say the name Larry because the name Larry may, you know, may mean something. I was in Southside Chicago and I was doing this training with this church and they, they, they would serve soup on Friday afternoons, soup and sandwiches out in the park and there would be lots of people gathered around and and so uh, I was, the, this one guy uh, who we had been doing this training over the weekend, he goes, uh, or we had been doing it on, on uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and then Friday, Friday afternoon we were doing this, this outreach. And he says, hey, could you just stand up and give like this gospel presentation, it's sort of this open air preaching. And I love doing stuff like that. Like, I mean, I like risky, edgy things. And so I'm just standing up on this stump and just preaching, you know, and just doing a gospel presentation. And then all of a sudden, this woman comes walking by, and I said, hey, I said, who's Trevon? And she turned and looked at me, and she goes, you know Trevon? And I was like, no, I've never even actually heard the name Trevon before. You know, I've heard of Trey, I've heard of Tavon, but I've never heard of Trevon, you know? And she goes, you don't know who Trevon is? And I said, no. And she goes, why did you say that? And I said, because I said, I think, and I didn't know what I was going to say next. And I said, I think the Lord is wanting to set you free from something that's held you in captivity and that there's something that, that's really, you know, uh, trying to hold you back and ha- trying to hold you. And she goes, that's Trevon. And I was like, what's Trevon? And she goes, what you just described happening in my life, that's what Trevon is doing to me. And so I was like, well, can we pray for you? And she's like, Yes. And I said, why were you walking past here? She goes, I was on my way to meet Trevon. Yeah, you know, so I mean, just think of all the, how those intersect, how freaky that is. You know what I mean? I normally don't share, share that story publicly a lot because, I mean, it's one of those stories that people are like, oh, I can't get a word like that, so I, you know, I'll never do it. You know, I don't, I don't want you to hear it as that. I want you to hear that as an invitation. I could have ignored that name. It's not like God was grabbing my mouth and, you know, Trevon. You know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, I've always, you know, my eyes roll back. Yeah, 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 Trevon. You know, it wasn't anything like, let me tell you something. Many times a word of knowledge or a miraculous or God experience is like, my friend Steve Nicholson says it like this. He goes, any of those things, it's like a feather that falls on your arm. It'd be easy to brush off and ignore. And it's really true. A God encounter, a miraculous... Some, have you ever prayed for somebody and see them get healed? And you walk away and you're like, whoa, 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 wait! That was miraculous! You, you ever do that? You know, and you're, it's all of a sudden your head finally catches up with the experience, you know? That's the type of stuff happens all the time. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm taking too much time in that, that area. So the fruits of the prophetic person is another way that we judge. It may not be the, the, the word or anything like that, but there could be uh, the person themselves that there could be things off of. Here's an example. Uh, we had this guy who came to my church when I was pastoring in Aurora, and he was like this incredible preacher. 
and had this really, I mean, man, when he would talk about stuff, and there was like depth to it, you know, it was really good stuff. He had been a missionary in uh, uh, somewhere in South America, I forget the country. And so he came to our church, and man, this guy could read your mail. I mean, clear, accurate, spot-on prophetic words. The only problem is, almost every person he would give a word to, within the next night or two, started having horrific nightmares. Sounds a little freaky, right? You know, and like, what's going on there? Well, we were kind of puzzled by this, and people were coming and saying, man, he gave me this. And, and, but something weird happened. I started having these horrific nightmares, and I started having this, and I'm like, Lord, what's going on? And I started really praying. I mean, this guy was really gifted. He was like, like somebody that I would want to like pull in and, and you know, use for ministry. And, and so we, all of a sudden, we, I, I asked him one day, he, he came uh, by the church office, and I just said, hey, man. Uh, I said, I just want to ask you a question. I said, you know, what church did you come from before you went to be a missionary? And he goes, he goes oh, pastor so-and-so was my pastor. And, and I said, where's she at? And he said, oh, she's in Southern California. Which city? And he goes, oh, that doesn't matter. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of does. What city is, you know, did, she come, or did you come from? What's your, pa-? you know? And I started writing down these details. He goes, well, no, none of this really matters. You know, I, I, that, that was so many years ago. That was so, and so I was like, yeah, but I gathered enough information and so I started kind of, you know, searching, you know, this you know, woman, this uh, woman pastor out. And, and I ended up finding a phone number. I called her and I said, hey, I said, we've got this guy here. I said, can, what can you tell me about him? She says, he's incredibly gifted, accurate in prophetic ministry. She goes, there's one issue in his life that's really deep, really dark. And, she, and I said, what's that? And she goes, this guy will, he, she said, he'll never let you know this, but he, but he regularly goes out and seeks out male prostitutes. And, and has sex with them. And he regularly do, does this type of thing. And it's really, you know, she said he's somebody who God should really be on and do incredible stuff with. But there's this area that he's hidden and kept, you know, in the dark in his life. And that he'll never fess up to. He'll never, but it's regularly happening in his life. And so I'm like, oh, man. So, I, you know, I call this guy on the phone. Can you come in? Can, I need to sit and talk with you. I sit down and talk with him, and I share with him. I say, you know, I called your pastor, and I talked to you. Oh, you know, you shouldn't have done that, <laughs> you know, type of thing. And I told him, I said, well, this is what she said. And as soon as I said it, all of a sudden, his head goes back, and he looks at me. And when he does, I'm like, uh oh, somebody else is here instead of him, you know? And he starts, you know, and talking in this really growly. And he goes, and he jumps over my desk and like lands on top of me in my chair, you know, knocking me to the ground, you know? And I'm like this and I'm pinned and he's sitting on my stomach and he's like, I will kill you. You know, and I was like, you've got a demon. Why? Because I'm prophetic. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I start binding this thing and command And I mean, man, it was like, it, it was like, it was hard to like get under control of it because the dude was on top of me. And he had, and his knees were pinning my arms down. You know what I mean? He wasn't that big of a guy, but man, he was like, you know. And so it started and we, you know, started and I stopped and I said, I said, do you want to be free? And he's like, He's like, he goes, there's nothing to be free from. There's like this complete renouncing and, you know, that he would not, you know, acknowledge what he had. And it was clear that he just did not want to be free from this. So this is something that's where somebody is operating out of gifting. Again, remember what I said, you know, the fact that people can move in a particular gifting doesn't mean that's God's approval on their life. 
You know, so don't use that as the earmark of God's approval, you know, for that person. Unfortunately, he ended up having to leave our church and, you know, and never really dealt with it. And it was really, you know, a big issue in his life. But, but it was, it was very sad to me because I would have loved to have seen this guy healed, restored and, you know, and operating in what God had intended for the purpose of his kingdom. So we judge not just again, by that, you know, we're really, when I say that, now in doing that, it's not necessarily the methods. Many times we're not, we, we sort of think we're judging the methods, but many times it's not the methods, but really it, this has to do with character. At this point, we're judging and dealing with the character of somebody, okay? Uh, let, me, let me just explain some stuff, you know, with methods. So I, 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 earlier uh, at the uh, church this morning, I was talking about, uh, you know, uh, going to Princeton University and, you know, a, a, a month and a half or two months before I went to Princeton University uh, to do this, these three-part lectures on do healing signs and wonders, you know, still happen today. Um, I, a month and a half to two months before that, Heidi Baker went there. And the guys who organized the meeting, they considered Heidi's meeting an absolute disaster. Uh, Heidi, in typical Heidi self, got up on the stage on her knees, as she does and that we all love and are endeared to, and she prays in tongues for 25 minutes. Nonstop. Well, people get up and start walking out. It wasn't a, a, a. Actually, we had more people at my meeting than Heidi had at hers. But but let me let me tell you why I'm saying that. But when when she was done, I mean, literally, the organizers were like, "This was a disaster meeting." Like people were. By the time she got finally to speak, there was only like 20 people in the room, and so they considered it an absolute disaster. I wrote Heidi after I went wrote, went and I said thank you. Because Heidi cleared and plowed the way for me. What she was doing in the spirit in that, I could tell. By the time I got there, I could tell. I'd never been to Princeton University before. I could tell there was an atmosphere shift. Now, how did that make Heidi look? Not good at Princeton. But it totally blessed me (laughs) and made my meetings just, I mean, I'm on the front page of the Princetonian newspaper, you know, I mean, you know how many presidents read that newspaper, you know, and I mean, on the front page, all this story, you know, about this, and Heidi doesn't even get mentioned in it, but what does she do, man, she was plowing the way, so let me explain something, it's not, we're not necessarily judging methods, okay, because if you go study the Old Testament, you'll see some freaky methods from the prophets okay they do some freaky crazy stuff so we're not necessarily judging methods but we're judging the spirit we're judging the character too of what's happening there and then the last one is pretty straightforward and simple is we're we're looking for agreement with others and this is a confirmation now that can come through gift of discernment that can come through uh, many of you may uh, I, I don't know how many of you know but like a, a full nine months before september 11th uh, happened, I saw this vision and I saw this thing happen. I was in a plane, I was flying to LA, I looked out the window, I felt, I felt the Lord prompting me to look out the window. I looked out the window, looking down on the desert floor, it probably was Arizona or Nevada or something, and I was looking down, and all of a sudden I saw these buildings rise up out of the sand, and I, I thought they were missiles striking the buildings. And I saw these, I saw five, I think there were seven or eight that fell, but I only saw five. And I turned and I looked at my wife and I said, this year, 
there's going to be you know, um, these missiles that are going to strike a major metropolitan city in the United States. Thousands of people are going to die. And I said, it's going to happen this year. And she, she's pushing me out of the way. And she's like, she's looking out the window because I was looking out the window when I said it. And she goes, she goes tell me what you saw. And so I told her what I saw, and she goes, she goes, and I described this mushroom cloud, and she goes, what color was the mushroom cloud? And I said, well, it was dingy and it was dark. And she goes, those aren't missiles. She goes, that, those, aren't, those aren't, I said atomic missiles, or, or nuclear missiles. And she goes, no, those aren't nuclear missiles. Those aren't, those, those aren't bombs like that. She goes, because the, those clouds would be white. If you're seeing it dingy and dark, there's something else hitting those buildings. And then she asked some other questions. I forget all that she had. We wrote it down later. But she asked several different questions, you know, what are you, you know, with what I was seeing. Well, here's the gift of discernment. Now, we, we always think that prophetic people have the gift of discernment. Not true. A lot of prophetic people don't have the gift of discernment. I tell everybody I married my gift of discernment. You know, my wife has a high discernment gift, not necessarily me. So processing things with her, you know, she'll discern things and pick things up that I completely miss, you know? And so she was asking all these questions, you know, why was this happening? Anyway, that, that, that ended up, that, I came back and I, you know, sometimes you just think God's sharing secrets with you. There's some things that he doesn't, tell you to say, or there's some things that, are, there's things that I, the Lord showed me that I've never shared with a human being ever. You know, I've got them written down and recorded, but I've never shared. And so all of a sudden I'm, 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 you know, I, I, you know, later when we got back from California, a couple of weeks later, um, I'm in our Royal Clergy Association, Clergy Association meeting and, and, and the, or no, I was in our church uh, that next Sunday and the Lord spoke to me and said, share that. And I was like, Lord, this is like, not really happened before. I mean, this is kind of a crazy big thing. And, and he was like, share it. And so I was like, okay. So I got up, I shared it in front of our whole church. And we had some people who were like, you know, you know, this one guy hollered out, the UF has never been attacked on its own soil. And I was like, what? That's crazy. You know, Pearl Harbor, you know, I mean, no, you're wrong, you know? And, and so he were like, you know, no, this, and, and then, and then this, this uh, other person, uh, you know, um, you know, said something else, and I was like, "Look, I'm not, I'm not here to argue. I was just telling you what I see." But we had it recorded as a result of that. We have it on tape, you know, as a result of that. Now it's on, you know, MP3 file. And then, so then the next week, I was at our Aurora Clergy Association meeting. Now I'm here in front of all these pastors and leaders who already think I'm weird. And the Lord speaks to me and says, get up and tell the word, the, the vision I gave you. And I'm like, oh God, no, please, no, not here, not here, not at this place, anywhere else, but not here. You know, I mean, these guys like have mocked me, laughed at me, and I'm like, Lord, please. And then he, I just, they was not saying anything else, which means do it. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, so I have the video of me standing and I'm looking down the whole time as I'm giving the word because I have no, you know, and I would look up at their faces every now and then and they're like, and I'm like, oh, man. I mean, I walked out of that meeting so low that day, you know. And, but, you know, nine months later, my phone's ringing off the hook, and it's all these pastors going, is this what you saw? And I'm like, well, the camera angles are all from, you know, this direction. I was looking straight down. I said, but, yeah, this is it. And that ended up, the mayor of our city ended up calling me, and he said, I want you to come in every month, the first uh, uh, Tuesday of every month, and I want you to pray for me and prophesy to He's not a Christian. And he's like, I want you to pray for me and prophesy, because he had seen the videotape, where I'm, you know. 
and, and so it opened up all these doors. I mean, just, it, it, was, it was incredible. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I, I, I'm like, Lord, either I'm going to look like the biggest idiot on the planet or this is going to be spot on and I don't want it to be spot on. You know what I mean? And so it was a hard word to give because I'm sitting here going, what's edifying and comforting? And, you know, I'm looking for all of that stuff in it. But it was something that, that was a, a revelation of something. And so, but the spirit, of course, in it for, for me was, I was like, man, we need to be praying. You know, we need to be uh, really seeking the Lord in this time. So anyway, so the Lord will give you something. But having that sort of discernment, my point in sharing that story was my wife was a real gift of discernment to help me sort of sift through and understand some aspects of that word. Okay, so let's, all right, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to do this quicker than I've ever done before. Are you guys okay? Have I worn you out? Can you handle some more? Okay, so let's talk about the various ways that God speaks to you. I've put too much attention on that and I should have put more attention on this part. And I'm going to try to do this without telling stories, which just won't happen. I'll just, I'm not going to lie to you. It won't happen. Okay. But with one of the, each one of these, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand as you experience. I'll stop and say, has anybody experienced that? And then raise your hand if you've experienced that. And, and we're going to start with some sort of simpler ones and get to a little bit more. Well, you, you may think the other way of it, but we'll, we'll just roll with it. Popping words, a word just pops in your head or scripture just pops in your head for somebody. Raise your hand if you've had that. It's the most common one, right? All of a sudden, you're just praying for somebody, and a scripture pops in your head, or a word pops in your head. Just something sort of pops in your head, and you give it. You know, it, it could go various different ways. You know, I mean, I've had, I've had, you know, things, again, I've had scripture that would speak more to me than to the person, and then I would have share what it meant for me, and then as I was sharing what it meant for me, it would speak to them. You know, I mean, it's just, it's a, it, I believe it's the most, you know, common way that all of a sudden, you know, the Lord speaks to us. The second thing is popping pictures in your mind, that a picture just pops in your mind. You don't know what it is, you don't know, you know, or you may know what it is, but just all of a sudden a picture just pops in your mind. Uh, let me give you, I'm not going to give you stories except this one. <laughs> so I was with this, uh, we had this, um, this woman who was coming to, uh, our, we were doing van. We were talking about this earlier. We were, we had our own Joel's place thing going on uh, at our place, and and we we were ha- we had a night of worship and ministry. And then we pray for healing. We do prophetic words, and it was just worship and ministry. There was no preaching, no teaching, just worship and ministry. And those were lots of fun. I enjoyed those quite a bit. And so anyway, we're in, and this this very famous. I mean, to this day, she's a really famous DJ in the Chicagoland area. And, uh, but she was a well-known Christian, like a lot of people knew that she was a Christian, uh, but she was very much a cessationist, signs and wonders are not for today, the miraculous things, healing's not for today, it all ended with the apostles, and so this was her perspective. Her sister had a cancer diagnosis, cancer in her stomach, and was given six months to live, okay? So uh, then she had another sister who wasn't a believer at all, and these the, the, the sister with the stomach cancer had heard, hey, at the Vineyard Church in Aurora, people have been healed of cancer, so I should go there and get prayer. 
Well, the sister, sister that's a famous DJ was like, you know, those are, you know, tricks and, you know, that's just, don't go do that. That's not for real. That's, you know, that, they're doing that by demonic power. Don't go there, all this stuff. And she's like, no, I'm going. You know, I, what other, whatever option do I have? You know, she goes, There's, they, they were saying that it was incurable. There was, there was no treatment could be given. And she goes, what's there to lose? And so she's like, she's like well, then I'm going to go with you to make sure that nothing weird happens because these people are just not safe people. They're just crazy people and so you know and so then the uh, the the unbeliever sister is like well i'm going too because i would i really want to make sure to protect you and to make sure that nothing weird happens because i don't think any of it's safe you know it's all just a bunch of religion and all this stuff and so they all three come and somebody had tipped me off hey this is the famous dj you know, and she's a cessationist, and her sister has cancer. She's come to get healed. So we, we kind of go into ministry time, and so I, I pull these guys up, and I said, hey, I'm going to pull a couple. We had this one woman named Debbie who was brand new at, at, at you know, uh, kind of getting into words of knowledge and never really had many before, and just really kind of a new believer. Pulled her in, pulled somebody else with. And so we start praying. Uh, we First, we pray for the—I'm going to move through some of this quick. We pray for the sister with the cancer in her stomach. She starts feeling what she— describes as butterflies on steroids in her stomach and she starts feeling something you know like happening drastically she starts feeling better anyway to sort of complete her story she goes back to the doctor all the cancer's gone she was completely healed it was an amazing story the sister who's an unbeliever we start praying for her and 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 her story is not what i'm after either i'm after the dj story but i want to tell you the others to get to hers we started praying for her, and we're, I was like, listen, can we just pray for you and just bless you? She goes, yeah, but I'm not closing my eyes, because I know what you people do when somebody's eyes are closed. <laughs> and she goes, don't you dare push me. And I said, look, how about this? How about I not even touch you? I said, I'm just going to put my hand just right here. Is that okay? And she's like, she's like don't, you, don't you push me. I, I'm, not gonna t- I'm not even going to touch you. I'm just going to put my hand like here. Okay, is that all right? She, yeah, okay, that's fine. But don't, and I'm not closing my eyes. That's fine. I'm not gonna, you don't have to close your eyes. So I'm praying for it. As I'm praying for her, she starts going back like this. I mean, she's going further and further and further and further back. And I looked at her. I said, are you okay? And she goes, yeah. And then she starts shaking. And so she's like, and I'm like, I'm like, listen, are you sure you're okay? That kind of looks like it hurts. Do you want to lay down? Don't you push me. And I'm like, I'm not going to push you, but you look like this is in pain. Maybe you would just rather, no, don't push me. Don't you touch me. I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to push you. And I'm like, what, what's happening with you? She goes, I don't know. And I said, I said, well, what do you think is going on? She goes, all I know is I don't believe in this. And I said, that doesn't really seem to matter right now. That doesn't seem to be an issue. And, you know, the end of that story, she, she gave her life to Christ that night. It was really cool. So, but to the sister that was a DJ. So we start praying for her. And as we're giving, you know, and I, I start asking her all these things. You know, I'm seeing this and this and this and this and, and stuff. And, and I looked at Debbie and I said, Debbie, do you have anything for her? And uh, Debbie looks, and Debbie's brand new. You know, she's only been like like saved for like six months, and so she's looking at her, and she goes, "I see a picture. I think it's you of, as a little girl." And she goes, "And you walk in uh, to this uh, old fireplace mantle, and on the fireplace there is a jack in the box." You pick up the jack-in-the-box, and you go and you cross your legs and sit Indian-style on the floor. And you play the jack-in-the-box. And it's like, you know, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. 
And I'm like, we get it, Debbie. Just get to the point. And dear God, please have something good in all this. You know, like the Holy Spirit is pop, you know, and going to surprise her or something. This better be good, you know. And so, and she goes, dun, 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 dun. and I was like, and? And she goes, that's it. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And I look over at this DJ and tears are streaming down her face. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I looked at her and I said, does that mean anything to you? And she looks at me and she goes, when I was a little girl, she goes, my parents used to fight terribly. And she goes, like, my, I've seen my mother throw knives at my dad. I've seen my dad, you know, throw punches at my mom. I've seen my mom kick my dad in the face. I mean, they just would fight. It was horrible. And she goes, whenever they would start fighting, I would run to our next door neighbor, to their house, and I would run in their house, and they had a beautiful old fireplace, and sitting up on the mantle of the fireplace was a jack-in-the-box. And she said, I would pick that jack-in-the-box up, and I would sit, Indian-style, on the floor, and I would rock back and forth, and I would play it over and over and over and over again. And she said, and that made me feel safe. And I said, so what do you think the Lord's saying to you? And she looked up, tears streaming down her face, and she said, this is a safe place. And God's here. I mean, man, I could have given her the word, the Lord says to you, this is a safe place. And it would have meant nothing to her. But that picture just said it all. And so she became a worship leader in our church. Seriously moved in prophetic ministry, you know, did, did healing. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. So those pictures that you get, as I'm sitting there going, this is a train wreck picture, you know, it actually was the perfect picture. So, the, the, so people get pictures. You guys get pictures? Just pictures pop in your head, and they may seem like absolutely nothing, you know? They just pop in your head. Uh, the second or third thing is suddenly you just know. You just know something's God. Anybody ever have that? Where you just know something's God? We call this a popping pattern. And what happens is, is you get familiar with the pattern of the way that God speaks to you. You just start being aware of this pattern that there's just this popping pattern and it could be various things. All of a sudden, it could be sensations. It could be this sense of knowing, but you just know. In the moment, you just know. And my wife gets that a lot. She just knows. We had taken in this young man. He had been kicked out of his home. He was 14 years old. He was uh, literally sleeping on the streets. And, and uh, we took him in and, and we've been ministering to him, but he never really made a commitment to Christ. And, you know, and, and he was, you know, big into, uh, like, you know, do, you know, had his pants hanging down below his butt. He had, the, you know, he had the whole swag about him and everything. And he was just, I mean, he was, just, I loved this kid. He just, I loved this kid. But he was just this, um, you know, I, and part of it is because I could never pull off, you know, having my pants that low as a part of it. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, he, I, I did. I, he, he just, he just found a place in my heart. And I, was, I asked my wife, could we take him in? She goes, 
goes, yeah, I love that boy. Let's take him in. So we took him in and he, he was living with it. And all of a sudden she started, you know, one day I kept telling her, I said, something is wrong. He has, something's happened with him. I can't tell what it is, but I could see something was, was, uh, I didn't know if he was depressed or what. And so she, she came in and she made him some bacon and eggs and she sat the plate in front of him and she looks at him and she goes, hey, you've been smoking pot. And he looks up and he goes, what did you say? And I said, honey, how could you? I love this boy. He's been living in our house. Of course, he's not smoking pot. And he goes, what did you say? She goes, you're high right now, aren't you? And he goes, yes, I am. He goes, I was smoking a joint up in the room. And I was like, how did you know that? She goes, I just knew. It just sort of hit her. It was just sort of this knowing. And so we prayed for him, and we prayed for some issues of addiction and stuff like that to break off. It was, it was this incredible story. He got incredibly free. But all of a sudden, she was just trusting, just knowing, and just saying. She wasn't saying it in a condemning way. She wasn't saying it in an isolating way. It was a mother way protecting this child from you know, destruction and devastation in his life. You know, that was definitely coming through. But she had just been aware of this popping pattern of, I just know this is what God is doing and paying attention to that. And of course, it, it, it was totally able. I mean, this, this kid would have easily ended up on serious addiction, serious, I mean, just the direction he was heading, his parents were, were both involved in gangs. I mean, he was just, he was on that path. So it was able to completely avert that for him. So anyway, following that popping pattern. Now this, this is another one that has a lot of subgroups in it. But how many get visions? You see visions, you get visions. You know what's really funny about this fan? Had I asked this question three years ago or so when I was here, I don't think near as many of these hands would have been flying up as they are today. I just, I love that about this church. Uh, but how, and, and so, you know, God will show you stuff in visions. And kind of what a vision is like is it's almost like a, a I always say it's like a transparency over reality. You remember the old transparencies that you put on the projection screen? And it's like you see something over the top of something. You know, and sometimes that's like what a vision is like. You know, or it can be just completely out. You know, and you experience something that's really dramatic. There's open visions and, you know, different things like that. But, there's, but visions are, are very common. Of course, all of these are very biblical ways that God speaks to you. How about dreams? Anybody the Lord speaks to you through dreams? Where God speaks to you, shows you things through dreams. And here's the thing. Sometimes a dream at the moment doesn't seem like anything. A lot of people have asked me, you know, you talk a lot about taking risks. You talk a lot about authority. How did that really start for you? Well, the, 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 what happened was too long to go into. But there was actually, and I, again, this is one of those things where I kind of hesitate to say because I don't, I don't always like to talk about it because it sounds like such a big thing. And I don't want you guys to set the bar too high. But there was one night where the Lord took me to heaven. And he began to reveal these crazy things to me. That was all about taking risk. And it was, the, it was the simplest thing, but also the most terrifying thing that, that I've experienced. It's too long to go into here, but it totally revolutionized. And from that day forward, the next day, you know, and I mean, I literally like saw my body, you know, from a bit huge distance and, and the Lord took me back, you know, to my, to my room where I was sleeping and, and like, you know, it was just, it was an amazing thing, but it totally revolutionized. And the Lord was totally pr- sort of provoking me to step out and take risks. 
risk and to, and to share with people about how to step out and take risk. And that, of course, being faith. But those are things that are, that are sort of, you know, these night visitations, you know. And so with dreams, there can be also these seeing with spirit eyes. How many of you have ever felt like you've seen with spirit eyes? You've seen the spirit realm. You can see angelic realm. You can see demonic realm. But you see a lot, a lot more people have spirit eyes. How many of you, whenever you were younger... When you were like going to bed, and then maybe in 10, 11, 12, it could be as early as 6, but you remember all of a sudden sort of seeing things that you thought were just in your imagination or in your head. You saw like scary creatures or whatever, and you thought they were in your head, or, or you saw positive things, but they were like these things that were there, and it would scare you or it made you feel uncomfortable. Anybody ever have that? I had that a lot. And, and, and I remember as, as for the longest time thinking, man, if I tell anybody this, they're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to put me away. Well, I realized later that wasn't, that wasn't my thought thinking I'm, you know, I'm crazy. They'll put me away. That was the enemy speaking to me because what, what I was seeing was demonic, the demonic realm. You know, and I never realized that at the time. To me, it was just, it was just stuff. It was, I had a friend of mine who said I would see things sort of in the twilight zone, at night, like there would be this sort of twilight zone, like between going to sleep and, and being asleep was sort of this place where you sort of, well, actually what I think happens is I think there is, there is such this in tune, us being in tune to the natural part that sort of in sleep, you sort of slip into this, you know, moving out of this natural perspective and then sort of the, 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 the um, uh, filters are sort of gone, if you will, uh, to where you see kind of more of what is a real reality. Uh, but seeing with spirit eyes, there's also the other side of that, and that's being caught up into heaven, that story I just shared with you, where all of a sudden you can see into the angelic realm. You can see angels, you know, in the room. You can see angels operating and doing things. There's powerful things, you know, that you see them doing and, and glorious things that can be part of it. Uh, there can also be angelic, uh, there can be ca- being caught up in the spirit where you're sort of in another place. You know, these are things that we sort of uh, think are like, wow, that's so bizarre and that's so far removed. But all of these things are within scripture. This is all biblical things that happen. Angelic visitations. Anybody ever have an angelic visitation? Where you have angels come and visit. How, how, about, how many of you have had angelic visitations where the angels appeared in the natural I, I, I've had angels literally save my life. Or I had somebody who was going to kill me, and they literally stopped and prevented, and, and literally enter, in, threw my door open and demanded this person get out of the car and leave. And, and, and it was this, and you know, what was, you know what I love about this story? Is you sort of, you know, are expecting this Arnold Schwarzenegger or Vin Diesel sort of, you know, get out of the car now. <laughs> It was a woman that was, it looked to me like she was probably right at five foot tall. And she had glasses on and she throws the door open and she goes, get out of the car now. And he looks at her and he goes, who are you? And she says, I know you, who you are. And she goes, you're trying to kill him. She goes, you get out of this car right now. You understand me? And he's like, get out of my way. Bad word. (laughs) He's like. He goes, no, I'm not getting it. And she goes, you get out. And she leans over and she looks at me. Now, when she's speaking to him, man, it is like anger, you know? And then she leans down and she looks at me. And all of a sudden, her face changes. And I could see her almost like my grandmother. And she looked at me and she goes, 
I know you. And as soon as she said that, I had this awareness that this woman knew everything about my life. I'm telling you, this is exactly what happened. And she goes, don't take him anywhere. He's trying to kill you. And she goes, as a matter of fact, he has a knife up in his, in his jacket. And I realized all of a sudden his, knife, his, hands, were never, his hands never came out from up under his sleeves. And I never realized it until that moment. And she goes, don't take him anywhere. And she goes, I, and these huge bright lights were, were in my rear view mirror, blinding me in the mirror. This was in the middle of the night. And so I looked at him and he's like, dude, get out of the car. And he goes, I don't know who this is. I said, dude, get out of the car. And she, he, she said, she goes, you get out now. And he jumps out of the car and he started running away. And all of a sudden, when he jumped out, he slammed the door and I was, I was at a four-way stop, and I literally did a U-turn in the four-way stop, because it's in the middle of the night. Nobody was there. I did a U-turn, and when I did a U-turn, she was gone. There was no car there. There was nothing there. There was no place for this lady to go. And it just was, she was gone. And I was like, that's weird. <laughs> and, I, and I look in my rearview mirror, and through my red lights, I see this guy running down the street, running away. And so I start driving back, and about a mile down the road, it hit me. And my knees turned to jello, and my legs are like, you know, as I'm trying to drive down. I had to pull over at a friend's house at an apartment, and I had to go sleep at his house because I was like, dude, I can't explain you what just happened when I was at your house. And I had to spend the night at his house because of what happened. But let me tell you something. You've enc- the scripture says, beware lest you encounter angels, and you're not aware. You're not aware of the, of, of the reality. They're, they're, all, they're, inter- they're interacting far more than you realize. You're interacting with your life and my life far more than, than we realize. And so there, there, there's constantly, you know, doing, and I can tell you, literally, just even out of my life, my kid's life, my wife's life, family, I can tell you dozens of stories about angelic. I, I was driving, I just got to tell you this one, okay, I'm sorry. Because this is, let me get to the prophetic part of this. So I was driving down the road and I was ready to quit, like I was, I was exhausted. My church, I felt like was not doing well. You know, we were poor. We were just in dire straits. It was just hard. And I was killing myself laying carpet while trying to provide for my church. I mean, this was, it was hard, you know? And I got up and I was, don't be shocked at this, but I was doing a morning run, you know? And I was running in the morning. (laughs) You laugh, but it's true. And I was running and just out exercising, and I was, I was on like a two-mile run, and as I was coming back, and I was just like, Lord, I, I just, I don't know if I can keep this up. I don't know if, you know, I had all these uh, churches that were larger, you know, churches, and saying, man, what are you doing in Aurora? You know, we, they were offering me youth pastor jobs at these mega churches, and they're like, you're funny, you're the, you know, you would be great in this, you know, what are you doing settling for this place? And I'm sitting there the whole time going, what am I doing? This was stupid. What am I thinking? What are, and I'm running, and I'm just, I'm just short of running, and all of a sudden, on my MP3 player, pops on that old, and I, it's never been downloaded to my, uh, to my you know, iPod, but that old stick song, Show Me the Way. Take me tonight to the river and wash my illusions away. I know, just ask your grandparents about it. They'll tell you about the song. <laughs> but all of a sudden, and then, and then it, jumps, it, ju- it jumps to you 2 Streets with No Names. Now, that song means a lot to me because there was a lot of things that the Lord spoke to me through that song in different ways. 
And all of a sudden, going the wrong direction on the street, pulls up beside me this young, really dark African-American young man. I would say probably, I'm guessing like 22. And he, and he rolls the window down and he said, I've never seen this guy before in my life. And he says, Ronnie! I mean, he hollers out, I'm like, and I look over at him, he goes, Run! Don't stop! You're almost there! Run! The victory is yours! You will take the city! Run! Don't stop! Don't give up! And I was like, and I like ran all the way home, you know? And I remember I started tearing off and I looked back and there's no car. There's no guy. And I've like several times, like when the Lord has spoken to me, the, that face of that young man has appeared and I've gotten messages like, it's like this angel with me. I'm serious. I could, I could, it was, okay. All right. Sorry if I'm getting a little mushy with that part of, but it really, it was, man. And I was about to give up. I was ready to quit. You know what I mean? So anyway, God speaks. Okay. I know, I know what you guys are probably, are you guys all right? Can I, can I, can I show a few more things? I'll tell you a few more things. Okay. Hearing the audible voice of God. How many of you have heard the audible voice of God? I'm angry at you. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I have heard, I, re- I, I have actually heard it, but not when I hear some people's description of hearing it, I'm like, man, I want to hear it like that. You know, when Ravi Kendall, you know, from Father of Lights, it's like, it's got bass. I'm like, I don't ever hear it with bass. You know? <laughs> But there's like the audible voice. How about the inaudible voice of God? You hear the voice in your spirit, just inside of you. Very common. Very, very common. These are various ways that God speaks to us. How about insights, tugs of the spirit, where all of a sudden you're just doing something and you just feel a tug, a a sense. That's the way God communicates. All of a sudden you feel drawn someplace. You feel drawn to say something. And here's the thing. We all think... Everybody has that. Excuse me. Everybody, every, no, everybody feels that way. Oh, I just look at that person and I kind of sense what's going on in their life. Well, everybody has that. Everybody, you, know, you realize that's, you're, you're, you're writing off a way that God speaks. And it's really God speaking, but we're sort of just thinking because everybody has that. Well, that, that, that therefore isn't the voice of God, but it is the voice of God. God's speaking all the time to us, guys. He's constantly speaking to us. So these insights, these tugs of the spirit, the spirit bearing witness where all of a sudden somebody says something and you know that's God. You know that's God speaking. This happens all the time with my kids where my kids will say something and it'll be the most, it seems like nothing thing that they'll just say and all of a sudden it just hits me like like I, I can hear God loudly in it you know what i mean i can hear the voice of god just communicating loudly and volumes to me you know uh many 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 times i, re- I remember I, re- I was i had just been again we were in aurora and I, we had so many broken people and i was just trying to keep people from having sex with other people's wives and you know i just was like you know it would be great if we had a good home group but right now i just want people to stop sleeping with each other you know what i mean it was just like one of those times you know and I'm frustrated and I'm angry and I'm upset and and so and I'm just like God this 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 area is just too broken this is just these people are too broken I I can't deal with this you know and the next morning we were sitting at at breakfast and my son is eating his cereal and it was Judah he was like four years old or five or six years old I think 
And he looks at me and he goes, Dad, guess what? And I said, what? He goes, something really cool happened in my room last night. And I said, what was that? And he goes, Jesus came in my room. And I was like, he did? And he's like, yeah. And I, I said, well, what, what did you see? And he goes, yeah. He goes, he came in the room and he said, um, he stood on my dresser. And so I'm like, okay, this is just a kid thing. This is not God. This is like, you know, he's just making stuff up in his, he's using his imagination. And he says, yeah. He goes, there was a guy there in our church and he says the name of the guy. And I'm like, that's the guy who's trying to sleep with everybody. You know, <laughs> I'm kind of feeling like, and I'm like, yes. And what did Jesus say about that guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? And he goes, uh, he goes, yeah. He goes, all of a sudden, he goes, Jesus says, look close at him. And he goes, I look close at him. And he goes, dad, he goes, he was, he was actually a bunch of broken pieces. And I was like, that would be that guy. Yeah. And he goes, and he said, Judah, look at what I've called your family to do. And he said, all of a sudden the guy was just on a, in a pile on the dresser now and all of these broken pieces. And Jesus reached down and touched him, and he raised his hand. And as he raised his hand, all the pieces came together, and he came as a whole, complete person. And he said, I look closely, and he goes, Daddy, there was no more cracks. There was no more broken parts. There's no more. And he goes, and Jesus told me, that's what your family was brought here to do for people. I'm like, okay, Lord. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yes, Lord. Yes, I will. Okay, sorry. <laughs> just in that moment. But I mean, it was this powerful picture that could have been written off as a child's imagination. I mean, God is constantly speaking to us, guys. All of a sudden, okay, I'm going to jump through some of this. All of a sudden, physical sensations. All of a sudden, you see, how many of you feel physical sensations? You can feel heat. You can feel pressure. You can feel, I, you can feel somebody else's pain. Now, what do, you, what do we call that? That's a word of knowledge. That's God speaking to you about somebody else's condition. How about you walk into a place and all of a sudden, you know, your knee starts hurting. And you're like, man, my knee, what's going on? What's happening? With, what's it? What is it? That's probably not your pain. That's a sympathy pain. That's a sympathy sensation for somebody else. So that's, that's how this is. Do, okay, we've gone for like a long time here. Do we have time to do like an activation? Can, can we do like an activation? Only two of you want to do it? Okay. All right. So everybody stand up. We're going to do... This, this is technically not the ministry time, okay? So uh, it, it, this is... Because uh, I, I want to do some additional ministry time. If you guys are okay with that. If this isn't too long. You know, you pull the plug if it is. Uh, I'll, I'll stop. But uh, here's what I want you to do. Now, this is going to be a little, a little strange. But I, I'm going to ask you because we're going to put this into practice, Okay. Now, this is what I want you to do, is I want you to pair up with one other person. This is one-on-one, not three-on-one, or a group of three, or five of you together, you know, or 20 of your closest friends. This is one-on-one, and I want you to pick somebody that you don't know well, if at all. And here's the deal. I want guys with guys, women with women, females together, males together. So I want you to look around the room and I want you to move around and find somebody. You can move on the opposite side. You can use this space up here. You can use the aisles. You can use the back. Listen to me. Listen, don't engage in a long conversation. Ask them if it's okay and stand with them. But everybody has to have somebody. Go. You got about a minute to do it. 
Find somebody. That's threes. No. You got to be two, you got to be one on There you go. Right there. Good good deal. All right, listen to me. If you don't have somebody, raise your hand. All right, just keep your hand up or nobody's going to come to you. Look around the room and see if there's another male or female, whichever sex you match. Look around the room and find somebody and go that has their hand up too. Find somebody. All right, right here. Okay, hey, in the blue, right there. there right, her. Get somebody, yeah, you. There's a woman in the back that doesn't have anybody. There's a couple right there. Oh, wait, right here too. Okay, the two of you pair up. Okay, anybody else? Keep your hand up or nobody's going to come. Gentleman right back here who's looking for somebody. All right, there's a young man walking over here with his hand up. Pair up with him. Keep your hand up, buddy, or nobody's going to come to you. Go that way. Okay. All right, anybody else? Not have somebody. Is another, is another, is this a, a, a female? Female? Okay, she's a female. Back there is another lady. There's a lady at the very back of the room. Go, go to the back of the room over there. There's somebody waiting. No, I'm talking to this lady up here who's not moving. Somebody, whoever, need, whoever doesn't have somebody, anybody not have somebody still? Okay, how about right back there? Okay, pair up right back there. And then um, everybody else has someone? Okay, I, I see. I'm trying to see if there's somebody else who still doesn't have somebody. Okay, somebody... Okay, you get to watch. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. That's, that's what happens when you go to the bathroom. <laughs> sorry about that. I know, I know that's... I've, I've been in that position. Sorry, I apologize. Okay, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to hold the hands of the person standing beside you. The men love this. You, you, now, now listen to me. I love, I love watching this because the guys, the guys always hold each other's hands. I love this because you ladies will hold each other's hands and you'll look at each other right in the eye and you'll go. <laughs> the men are always like this. <laughs> Grab their hands. Okay. Now, here's, I'm going to tell you play by play what we're going to do, but you're going to listen to exactly what I say. Don't start giving words until I tell you, okay? So let's, let's follow this play. So we're going to pray. I'm going to pray over you something. And then you're going to pray, and you're going to ask the Lord to show you something for that person. This is a time where if you speak in tongues, begin to speak in tongues. Stir up the gift that is in you that was given to you by the laying on the hands. So pray, stir that up. And then we're gonna, I'm going to tell you when to stop. And I want you to do that out loud. I want you to pray out loud. Lord, if you don't speak in tongues, just Lord, show me something for this person. I thank you for them. I bless them. Give me your heart. Let me see. And then I'm going to tell you when to stop praying and you're going to be quiet and you're going to trust that first thought, picture, feeling, impression, whatever it is. And I'm going to tell you who goes first and they're going to go first and then you're going to, now there's going to be some spaces in here. Quiet. Don't look around. Keep your eyes closed. I want you to focus. Now here's the thing. People are like, oh, I don't get anything. Not true. Trust that first thought, feeling, impression, picture, no matter what it is. No matter what it is. And if you genuinely don't get anything, just say, when I look at you, I see and start talking. Seriously. That's called risk. Okay. So. 
I'm going to pray and then you're going to pray. Father, I thank you for everybody here and we thank you for the grace to train. We thank you for the grace to extend, to step out. We just pray, Lord, I pray a release. I pray for a prophetic anointing, a prophetic impartation right now to each one of my friends by the authority of Christ. And Lord, we thank you for the grace to get it wrong. We thank you for the grace to just blow our minds and getting it right. Lord, we thank you for all of it because we are pressing into more of you to bring your love and hope and peace to others. And so, Lord, we thank you for the grace to train in this moment. So right now, Lord, we just stir up the good. Now begin to pray. Just begin to pray and ask the Lord to show you something. If you pray.